You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Arlington Heights. I mean, the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, June 17th. We're another week down, which means we're another week closer to Bears camp. I'm your host, Holdewitt, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Countdown to Camp. I'm glad you're here because you're in for a doozy of a show. We're going to be pulling double duty today because this week's Countdown to Camp focuses on linebackers, both inside and outside guys. So if my calculations are correct, that are that's 14 players that will be discussed here today. And of course, I can't do that alone. So you're here with me to break down both of these positions, our my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. Guys, before we discuss the linebackers, we may want to hold our horses uh, a little bit because the Bears earlier today came out with the press release saying that they have put a bid uh, on the race course in Arlington Heights. Nick, what do you think is going on there? Maybe the Bears are moving, maybe they're not, but I think it's it's worth obviously talking about first before, before all these linebackers because the Bears could have a new home. And if that's the case... I feel like that's going to – I'm excited for it. I don't know about how you guys feel, and we'll talk about it. But I know on the other end, a lot of people are going to be not too happy about the Chicago Bears moving to Arlington Heights, which, like I said, I'm all for it. I think where Soldier Field's currently at limits the experience they can have there, especially if there's nothing around it. You want to go to the museum, the field museum, after a Bears loss? Like, who, like – no, you want to go maybe celebrate somewhere. You can't really do that where it's currently at, but I'm just curious. What do you guys think about it? I mean, I like to celebrate at the Shedd Aquarium. I don't know about you. <laughs> That's usually my go-to spot immediately after every uh, Bears game. But Mason, I'd actually go to you next. What are your thoughts just on, A, what's going on, and B, if the Bears did make a move, would you be for it? Man, what a what a divisive topic, right? I mean, you go on right now, and it's really 50 50 in terms of seems like what people like and what they don't like uh, for me personally i mean this is selfish but i live out in the suburbs so i always really don't like going into the city and i know you know first world problems i don't like taking the train to the bus to the bus to the walk and then when the bears ultimately would lose then having to walk slowly back and get all the way back to where i live and it's it's just a long long day especially when i do like watching a lot of the other games and stuff and i just want to try to get home to catch you know maybe some of the afternoon game or the evening and like Nick said, I think that this just offers so much more options, whether you're talking about being able to host Super Bowls, being able to you know, rock out in December with concerts and things like that. And if the more recent saves have said anything, it's shown how much they can do with them now. The restaurants they can have involved, you can have a casino attached to it if you really wanted to. I mean, it just could really make for a really fun rest of your day after attending a Bears game. Yeah, you know, you can go catch a movie uh, in there. They put like a screen theater in there. You say you can go, you know, bet at a casino. So many options. For me personally, 
I'm torn. I think the kid in the heart would love to keep Soldier Field, you know, as long as we can, because that's at least in my lifetime uh, where I've been going to watch Bears games, where all my memories kind of stem from. But as you mentioned, when you look around the league, what you see, what they've done in Minnesota, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Dallas, man, it's hard not to get jealous and envious of some of those stadiums as well. And, you know, just the atmosphere you can do, a retractable roof. I know I do love myself some Bears weather too. So maybe, you know, Green Bay comes to town or maybe it's like the Miami Dolphins are coming to town. Like, let's just keep the roof open. Like, we don't want to give them any advantage. You still have that option uh, as well. Uh, but what if this is not for a stadium? Uh, and I'm asking this question because uh, someone, one of our listeners, Kevin, messaged me on Facebook uh, about an hour or so before we went live. And he was posing the question, you know, the Bears are under lease at Soldier Field to about 2033. So obviously this could be a long-term play as it is. But what if they're trying to buy a facility for like a training camp practice type of deal where it's like a huge facility, which they own. So like they have this huge family kind of experience because we all know how this hall is not really, it wasn't built for to host a training camp. You're not going to have nearly the same amount of people uh, that you did when you're down in Olivet Nazarene University. So what if this is like a family-oriented type of training camp facility? For me, I love the idea, but that'd be a lot of money to spend on something you use three to four weeks out of the year. So I don't know if that's viable from a financial standpoint, but any thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, so I thought about that as well. Um, But Jason Leisure did come out with an article today about this whole Bears um, making the bid for the Arlington Heights racetrack. And he wrote in his article, the Arlington Heights property would be exclusively for a stadium. The team poured more than $100 million into renovating Hallis Hall in 2019 and will hold training camp there for the foreseeable future. So, I mean, again, it's nobody really knows. Maybe, again, Jason Leisure talked to people that are inside, know exactly what that property would be for. But I think if it they do end up moving there, that's going to be a stadium. It's going to be a stadium where you would hope they put some some things for people to attend like afterwards, like bars and restaurants, just to make it up. If you're going to do it big, you might as well go 100% into renovating that entire area. And look, I'm not around there as much to know exactly how they would do that, but I'm thinking if you're getting a new stadium and it would take approximately four years to make, that's how long SoFi um, where the Rams play, and you know, just in time for Justin Fields' new contract, might as well do a bit. I like it. I like it a lot, Mason. What would you name the new stadium? Loaded question. I know. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't just go with Fields Field. <laughs> you know, in four years, he may very well prove to be worth the name. I think so. I mean, you're probably going to be branded what some. Some company like you, like all yeah. these other stadiums are, but and that's the biggest you know? thing. You just don't want it to be like some crazy Rick Rose company name thrown on there. Like I just don't. That would be the biggest thing. But to make it financially viable, you know, there's a good chance that you would you would do something like that, right? Because otherwise, it's one of the bigger hurdles that some people aren't a big fan of is probably the taxpayer money that's going to have to go towards you know paying for something like that. So if you were to bring in a bigger company, throw their name on the building, that makes it a lot more palatable. But you know. Sometimes maybe if you do want that really nice stadium and retractable roof, maybe you got to give up the naming rights. Goose Island Stadium. See, that I could do. See, that's not too bad. Yeah, I like that. I just don't want it to be like Depend Stadium. Yeah, Pampers. (laughs) 
tamper sealed. <laughs> I mean, I'm having a baby in November. I still, you know, as long as they cut me a sweet deal, I, I wouldn't want that to be like, you know, the name of it. Uh, you know, back when I played Madden uh, a long time ago, it was like an early, like, I don't know, maybe middle school. And I used to build the stadium for the Bears. And I, whenever I did it and did a dome, you know, like the Bears Cave or Dub Bears Cave was always cool to me. But they obviously, that's kind of a little lame now that I'm older. And B, it's going to be <laughs> some sort of sponsored deal. So I don't want to, you know, harp too much on this. They just put a bid on it. There's a lot between now and them. Uh, this was obviously not something all three of us prepared to discuss here uh, really throughout this show. But we do want to talk about the Bears uh, and all their linebackers on this roster. But what I did want to mention before we started uh, was just this week being mandatory minicamp uh, for the Bears. Uh, so before we dive into this positional preview, is there anything that you thought that came out this week that is worth discussing here to open the show? For me, guys, uh, we talked about it uh, a couple weeks back with Eddie Goldman and coming off of a year in which he opted out. And my concern was, you know, rest versus rust and a lot of rust potentially being on that body. He's not even showing up right now during this mandatory time. And he's an unexcused absence. Nick, does that concern you? I don't know if it's he doesn't want to play. He's, you know, maybe he's out of shape and he doesn't want to show up yet until he comes into game shape or at least practice shape. I don't know how to spin it into a positive. How I'm spinning it in my head is like once you're done with school and you go on summer break, who wants to go back into that schoolwork right away? Nobody does, right? You want to take some time off and look, Eddie Goldman's had a year off of just not playing football and football games. But that's how I'm spinning it in my head because if like I saw some fans already talking about is Eddie Goldman considering retirement? It's like I don't want to go to that that extent yet uh, i think what matt Nagy called it was a personal reason but an unexcused one for him not showing up and i know dan trevathan spoke really highly of eddie goldman and obviously we'll talk about trevathan today it's probably because hey eddie goldman helps dan trevathan right. a lot with his job right so i'm not gonna freak out of freak out over it yet but that's how i'm spinning it it's like hey you just got the, you know kind of got done with school it's a prolonged year-long break and you just don't want to quite go to these OTAs but if it you know training camp comes along Eddie Goldman's not there then we have a serious issue but we'll have right. to just you know we have a month we have a month we'll see how it all shakes out but without it you know pun intended there's a big hole in the middle for the second straight year and unfortunately the Bears won't have a lot of a heads up to find like a contingency plan and I know you can move some guys around but Law Nichols did it last year but we all know that should not and cannot be plan A uh, for the Bears. They want to return to the top 10 in terms of total defense. Uh, Mason, uh, either you can chime in on Eddie Goldman, or is there anything else from you know minicamp this week that you wanted to make sure to bring to our attention to discuss? Yeah, the, I mean, the Eddie Goldman thing has to be one of the biggest uh, topics. I mean, you guys covered it really well. No reason to keep harping on that. We have no idea what's going on there. It could be anything from the reason he opted out in the first place, you know, because he's got even some of the health concerns. And I know people in his family did. And it could be all the way to something a little bit more nefarious that he wants. He does want to retire or, you know, he thinks that he can still get paid, you know, and opt out. But just thinking about that's no reason to do that. But what we should talk about is, you know, the players that were there. We did see the sightings from people that we thought maybe wouldn't show up, like the Allen Robinson sighting. That was great. You know, he, mm -hmm. yes, he did sign his, you know, his deal, but, or the one year deal he's got going on right now, but he still didn't, did you see a lot of people hold out? He's a, the consummate professional, showed up, working hard. You see him talking to, you know, some of the rookies that are there working with the guys. That's awesome. 
Yeah, it is. And he mentioned, too, he'll show up at camp. He's not going to hold out or anything of that nature, which I didn't expect that from Allen Robinson. And, again, when you have Justin Fields, you know, kind of waiting in the wings, I'm sure that gives him a little extra motivation to get out there. And, you know, I don't want to turn this into a should A-Rob get a contract extension before camp. I think we all say yes if they can find the money to do it. Uh, and we have to talk about some defense today. But, Nick, anything else in minicamps? And I know the Bears – uh, they signed Tevin Jenkins on Wednesday, which rounded out the entire rookie class. They're all under contract, so that's a big thumbs up. Anything else? Speaking of Tevin Jenkins, he was just talking about all the guys that have kind of helped him along the way so far. And we've known since the beginning, since voluntary training camp, that the offensive line's been there. But he pointed out James Daniels, um, Jermaine Effetti, and then Elijah Wilkinson, his guys have just kind of helped him get acclimated to being a pro and it's like, again, Tevin Jenkins always has like, those quotes within a press conference. He was going to say he had to censor himself, basically. And he said that I had to censor myself just in case, you know, just because <laughs> of, you know, press conference. And I always, you know, end up laughing, just listening to him just because he's a character. But, yeah, he did mention that, you know, those older guys have just taken him under his wing. And so has Andy Dalton in terms of Justin Fields and what they're doing and, you know, just kind of building their relationship, I think what Justin Fields was saying that Annie Dalton and his wife took Justin Fields out to dinner and just, again, anything that he needs help with and he has questions on Annie Dalton's been there for Justin Fields. So it's been a really good, you know, connection just to kind of start off with. And I think that's to be expected. Dalton's playing the long game. He knows when, you know, Justin, when he's the cream of the crop here in the NFL, Who's going to take Andy Dalton, who no one's thinking about anymore out to dinner? That'd be Justin Fields returning the favor. <laughs> so he's really, he's putting in the work now. I, I see what he's doing, and uh, I appreciate it. It's good to hear. Uh, so thank you guys for bringing all of that up. Uh, again, it's it's only mini camp. Uh, you're only going to get some very small bits and pieces, but it's one step down until we get to Bears camp, which, again, about a month and a half away. So let's go ahead and get into this next positional preview on defense. Last time was the Bears defensive line. So again, today is all about the linebackers. So since we talked about the defensive line last time, I think it makes sense to start our stuff on the outside and then work our way in. So let's talk some pass rush. Let's look at the Bears outside linebackers. And let's begin with tier one, which I'm dubbing as the starters. And I want to begin today's show by breaking down one of the best in the game. He's entering his fourth season in Chicago already and you know he's the man he's the myth he's the legend that's Khalil Mack last season Mack had 50 combined tackles which was most during his time as a bear he finished the year with nine sacks 13 quarterback hits according to pro football reference and even though those numbers don't really come close to any of his career highs Mack still finished as PFF's top graded pass rusher out of all edge defenders last season with a grade of 90.8 Khalil Mack, he's now 30. He hasn't reached double-digit sacks since 2018, and his quarterback hits have gone down every single year since 2016. But we all know Mack can and has played at a high level, and I understand that he affects the game you know, in every single snap that he's on the field. But if this defense, if it's going to take a jump back in the top 10, possibly top 5, I said this last year, and I'm going to say it again, we need to see Khalil Mack produce. So, Nick, what will it take to get more out of Khalil Mack? How does he get back to a 10-plus sack type of season, not with the extra game included? Yeah, it's a good point. So that might help him out there. But I think the big thing for Khalil Mack, it's not that he needs to do anything differently at this point in his career. He's a vet. He knows exactly how to prepare each and every single season. But I think the big thing is 
when you have a defensive coordinator like what we're anticipating with Sean Desai, I think that only puts a guy like Cleo Mack in more advantageous situations to get maybe those those opportunities where maybe it's not a one-on-one opportunity, but it's a, a, a time where Cleo Mack can actually just win and beat whoever that opposing tackle is. So I think that's just what it's going to be about because we know Cleo Mack is a pro's pro. He knows how to prepare. And at one point in the season last year, he was the seventh most double team edge rusher at 22.4%. So obviously, like you were saying, Will, he affects, you know, the game on every single snap that he's out there. And you, teams are putting more offensive guys to block him. But if he just had some help, that's why they brought Robert Quinn in. We thought, you know, max numbers would just skyrocket. So I think still there's just so much attention, so much focus going to Mac that. And if you have a stale defense coordinator like Chuck Pagano was as, as we come to come to know as the season pro, pro, you know just progressed I think you, that's why we kind of saw a little bit of a dip in his production because I think obviously he still has you know he's still capable of getting, being a double digit sack guy and he needs to be but I think so a new defense and just some help is going to really go a long way for Cleo Mack. Mason, do you agree? It was kind of like 2019 was, a, I'll call it an on-perfect storm uh, for Khalil Mack, whether it be, uh, uh, Nick, I'll quote you, a stale defensive coordinator. You know, no Eddie Goldman in the middle, so they're playing guys, you know, flexing out just a little bit, so you're not strong up front, and then you're not getting any help on the opposite edge, which I know, Nick, you and I last season were very adamant that that help was supposed to be a huge boost and without it, you know, we saw some stagnation uh, for really all the edge rushers uh, a year ago. So, Mason, would you kind of agree that was like an on-perfect storm that, and that's what was holding Mac back? Or did you see anything else? I know he's been dealing with, you know, nagging injuries. So if there's anything on that front, too, uh, that you wanted to kind of put your two cents in, I'm all ears. Yeah, one of the things, at the end of the day, Kalimak is supposed to be a superstar, right? And superstars overcome adverse events. You see that all across the league. One of the conversations that is held consistently is, well, how many opportunities does he truly have for one-on-one pass rush? If you take out, you know, the rushing plays, the times that he's double teamed, chipped, all those things, and people try to boil it down to, well, this are the pure one-on-one rushes. But even, unfortunately, those, when you actually look at some of those numbers, he's not exactly hitting home either. There's, you know, some rushes, QB hurries, things like that. But again, I mean, how many times is J.J. Watt, when, even when he was starting to whittle down, how often was he double teamed and he's still making plays? Same with Aaron Donald. No one's letting him be one-on-one, but he is still making plays. So ultimately, he still has to overcome all those things. And like Nick said, though, he was like, oh, well, you know, Leonard Floyd's not the answer. Let's throw, we have to have Robert Quinn over there. He's going to be the one that fixes this, take more pressure off. The excuse is that Hicks was out, which he was. But you know, when Hicks was in there, he was still struggling. And like you said, well, he definitely seemed to have, like lose a step. You can kind of see that back even in 2018. Yep. Really where it started to be apparent was in that Dolphins game where he, I believe, had that ankle injury. And then since then, it's just been one thing after another. There was the ankle stuff. There was back tightness. I and mean, he was always playing and practicing, right? He never really showed up on the injury reports. But then it's always in the offseason where it's like, oh, yep, Khalil was dealing with this all year. And it's one of those, well, did he take this last summer to get his body right? Or has it, is it just been slowly deteriorating to the point where he needs a lot more of these veteran rest days? He cannot be that sustainable force that he was leading up to that ankle injury. And that's super, super common where getting a little technical here, when especially the position that he's at when you're trying to drive off that foot, if you don't have that solid push off, you're going to try to get it from somewhere else. And a lot of times that's where you end up in that extended position. And when you end up in that extended position, especially now when you're trying to have an anterior drive right into the 
the single arm stabs that he, he did us so well, that's going to put a lot of pressure into that low back. Quadras Lamborn gets overused. Now all of a sudden you got these back spasms. And that was also something that he seemed to be dealing with, especially I believe it was last year. So hopefully, he, like I said, he took the summer to get right a little bit, rehab that ankle hard, rehab that low back really well, and can come back like the 2018 early Khalil Mack Green Bay Packers game that made us fall in love with him immediately. Can someone piss off Mac before the season? Because we all know he was playing, you know, with vengeance in mind uh, when he first entered Chicago. And I want to see that level of play out of him uh, yet again. Nick, uh, I know I mentioned, you know, we need to get some production out of Mac. Mason just gave a good, you know, kind of background on some of the injuries and things of that nature. What are your, I guess, proper expectations for Mac in 2021? I think when you think of expectations for how Mason said a superstar, you should see, and it should correlate with double-digit sack numbers, those forced fumbles, those those game-changing plays is what we we saw in the first year of Khalil Mack. And maybe, I don't think he set the bar too high because I think he's still capable of it, but that's what you should expect. You know what I don't want to see, though? I don't want to see him riding on a Peloton again and, and talk to reporters, and that's where he was talking about, hey, I'm just going to go out there and do my thing. And, he didn't look. He's not that he had a bad season. He just didn't have a Cleo Mack type of season where, mm-hmm. you know, the expectations are just raised for himself. So I think that's what you need to expect in, in 2021 game changing plays. However, they happen, their interceptions, their forced fumbles, their sacks when you most need them. That's what you should expect from Cleo Mack because that's who he is. And that's kind of the standard that he holds himself to. So that's what. I, I expect I think we say this every single year, Will. Now we since do. he's been here since twenty eighteen, we expect to see that with a new defensive coordinator. And uh, we'll talk about the other guy in a few minutes here, but can that finally equate to seeing that more consistently? We will find out. I think that's a good amount of discussion. Everyone knows what we should get out of Khalil Max. I don't want to get too deep into his discussion because we have so many players uh, that we need to talk about today. So I want to look at the other side of the formation uh, towards someone who, as we just mentioned, he was a letdown a year ago. After signing a five-year, $70 million contract with the Bears in 2020 offseason, Robert Quinn did not make the impact that anyone uh, expected out of him. After coming off a 2019 campaign in which he had 11 and a half sacks, Quinn only mustered two for the Bears last year. And things started off hot. Heck, his very first play as a Bear was that strip sack on Daniel Jones in week two. It took him a little over three months to get his only other sack of the season. And remember that I mentioned Khalil Mack was the top-graded edge rusher? Well, I looked for Robert Quinn. It took me a while. He placed 56th. That, there were 70 other edge rushers in the NFL last year that had more sacks than Robert Quinn. So needless to say, uh, for being one of the highest-paid players on the team, Quinn must, he absolutely better, play at a higher level here in 2021 and I don't think it makes too much sense to go back to last year and just rip apart Quinn's performance because it spoke for itself so Mason I'll go to you first what should we expect out of him this year is it wise to hold him up to a a, I'll call it a high standard just given his contract or is that just you know foolish in our end I would say that's a little bit of fool's gold on our end, if we say, hey, you have a $70 million contract, you need to earn every penny of that contract at this point. Uh, most likely, I would think he's going to get deployed a little bit more sparingly and situationally. Uh, he's already come in hurt 
I think it was what day two of mini camp and he wasn't participating yeah. due to back pain. Um, what were you doing all off season? Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. And it's just, there were and even going back a little bit to last year, you know, there were some suppositions. Was he suffering from drop foot? Uh, there was some maybe evidence of that, but Matt Nagy came out and said, no, he doesn't have that. So one would imagine that's not the case, uh, but there's definitely some funkiness going on there. Um, we, I would expect him to be used again, situationally when needed third down, pin his ears back, get after the quarterback versus being, you being used as an every down edge rusher. Yeah. I, again, just due to the injuries that apparently he played through last year, already dealing with something here. I feel like, unfortunately, uh, you know, we bought a lemon. Uh, this body may not be holding up here for the Bears. Uh, Nick, all that aside, are there things that you think Sean Desai could do maybe to get more out of Quinn this year, or is it just really more on Robert Quinn to kind of just elevate his level of play? I think one thing he can do that Chuck Pagano, even though it wasn't very much in 2020, he had him in coverage 31 times. So that doesn't sound like a lot. It's a whole season, right? But prior to that, though, when Robert Quinn was on the Cowboys, he had two. Yeah, because he played defensive snap. line. He played, He was an end well, in a 4-3 scheme. Well, that's, an, that's another thing. Hand in the dirt more often than the two-point stance where Robert Quinn doesn't have that same drive, that same quickness that he displays on the edge where you just saw that too often with Chuck Pagano and, and what he wanted out of Robert Quinn in his scheme. So that's why you have Sean Desai, to play these guys in where they feel comfortable, where their strengths are at. So – even 31 coverage snaps, way too much. You can't have it with, with Robert Crane. Have you seen the man try to drop back in coverage? It doesn't look very good. So take that out of the equation. Have this guy put his hand in the dirt where when you watch some of the plays, they're not very many, and you could probably find them all, where he's making an impact, usually hand in the dirt, and sometimes they're running a stunt with the, the defensive end that's on that side. I think Quinn still has that speed to where when he's running a stunt and looping inside to where – he can beat that offensive line before he even recognizes, hey, they're running a stunt here. Where's where's this looping defender coming from? I think he's still capable of that. They just got to use him in the right way. But still, a lot of this falls on Robert Quinn. Look, playing to the contract is not the way we should look at this, but just playing way better than what we saw last season. Maybe they just saw number 94 and instinctually they're like, oh, we have to drop that guy back in coverage. And obviously that's not the best plan but I remember it was this time a year ago maybe it was even a little earlier in the offseason when the Bears did sign Robert Quinn and Nick I pose that question to you are you concerned uh with this transition because when you look at Quinn's entire career historically much better in a 4-3 than a 3-4 and you said nah I'm not worried about it and I said I was a little hesitant I'll actually let's roll the tape real quick no, I don't have tape. I didn't have time to actually do oh, that. I but you if you, I know hey, your cool. eyes got wide. You're like, oh no, he didn't do it. And I could, um, but I don't have that kind of time. I know what was mentioned. Uh, if you want to go back, I'm sure you can look at free agency reaction shows somewhere in 2020. Uh, we're talking Robert Quinn. Uh, you can pull the audio for me. Send it to my email, will at chicagoaudible.com. But no, Nick, you're right. It, we do need to see more out of Robert Quinn. And it is up to Sean Desai a little bit to get a little bit more creative. Maybe allow him to have some freedom uh, along that edge as well on how he wants to approach it. Maybe there is a specific play he does want to put his hand down. Maybe he wants to try it as a stand-up. Giving him 
that flexibility. And I was so concerned that they made him stand up so much just when I was looking back at, you know, the Bears in 2019, heck, even 2018 with Fangio. There are times when Khalil Mack has his hands in the dirt because he was transitioning from the same kind of, you know, system as well over there in, at the time, Oakland. Uh, so hopefully they can figure that out. Mason, anything else on Robert Quinn before we move on? The only thing I would add is that when you look at also just how he's being used, I think one of the things that Leonard Floyd did really well when he was here was he was more versatile just in terms of his length, speed, ability to drop. And that did cause some confusion on the line. You don't really have that when it comes to Quinn. And I don't think Pagano really knew what to do with that. Because when Pagano came in, he even said, like, I'm going to try to run basically what, what Vic was running. And I'm going to change what I, I'm going to acquiesce myself to the players, the play calls that they have, the wording that they have. And clearly that didn't work, right? He didn't really run the system the way that the Bears were designed to run. So with, we have been talking about LaShawn Desai coming in here, a little bit more of that Vic Disciple. One might see that Quincy used a little bit more appropriately and that maybe some of the other guys on our list actually are used a bit better in some of those dropback situations so that we can stay in the current defense that they've been running for the last couple of years. You know, it didn't work when Mel Tucker was running Lovey Smith's defense, didn't work again with Chuck Pagano trying to be Vic Fangio. So, Nick, you and I said it when the Bears promoted Sean Desai. Let him just be himself. Uh, that's just the best-case scenario for our defense. But I want to move on to Tier 2, uh, some of these rotational pieces here at outside linebacker. And I'm going to kick off this tier by talking about a newbie to the rotation, a guy who the Bears signed to a two-year deal this offseason out of Denver, speaking of Vic Fangio, and that's going to be Jeremiah Atachu. He has more than double the amount of sacks that Robert Quinn had last year with five and about 130 less pass rush snaps. When you look at the previous two seasons for Jeremiah, he had 35 total pressures, and that's, again, playing in less than 200 pass rush snaps per season. When you look at his last season, he was the second highest producing pass rusher for Denver, only behind Bradley Chubb. He was the first guy off the bench, and he was able to get to a quarterback at a pretty decent clip. So for Itachu, I want to start with his background. Former second-round pick. He has a couple of years of experience in a Vic Fangio defense. And we know Sean Desai's defense, he's going to have some strong similarities between the two. Nick, how much is that going to help Atachu's transition to Chicago? Yeah, I think that's exactly what, you know, Sean Desai was hoping that they, the Bears would get in case Robert Quinn is just not anywhere near he was in, in 2019 when he was affected with the Cowboys. You get somebody that is a little bit more versatile in running the scheme that's already in place in Chicago. So that's exactly what I think the Bears needed in terms from a depth piece, but also someone that can be effective as, as a starter previously in the league. So somebody that, again, like what about almost maybe a little bit more expectations than a Barkevious Bar Mingo had here because I think he exceeded that. But somebody that when, hey, who, who Robert Quinn, who's going to take, I think, more breathers this season than he did last season, he only played about 50% of the defensive snaps. You could put a guy in like that, and you'll still be effective there. And that's that's going to be the big thing for, you know, Atachu and his transition here to Chicago. Mason, is there anything that you like about Atachu's game the most, like when you look at what he was able to kind of do in Denver? It's a bit of that versatility. He's definitely quicker, has quicker feet, and has that ability to stunt, I think, a little bit better than the aforementioned Quinn that was able to do. And the thing that's really cool is actually if you go back to his uh, college days when he was at Georgia Tech, he left there as the all-time sack leader with 31.5. So he definitely has a nose for the quarterback. Uh, and so we've seen, we actually will see this with two of the new guys that came, but they're actually, like you said, from Denver, learning from Vic. So being able to have that, I think, transition is going to be a little bit easier there 
having knowing what that he's going to have to do and be able to play like we just spent all that time talking about with the hand not in the dirt. Yeah, for sure. And on top of that, you mentioned he's good with the stunts. I remember when we were doing a little bit of research on him uh, for the free agency reaction episode, you know, I saw how slippery he was, decent, you know, able to use those hands to shed the blocks. He can win with speed. He can win with a little bit of power. And I love how he finishes. Like when he gets to a quarterback, he doesn't just sit him down. He drives through the guy. And I think uh, he's someone that with that violent kind of mentality that he brings to the table, I really believe once he gets that opportunity, A, he's going to shine a bit. Uh, you said it, Nick. I have higher expectations for him over a Mingo last season, who had a really good year for us uh, in Chicago. And on top of that, just with that style of play, I really feel like Bears fans are going to like what they see out of Atachu. Uh, but I want to look at some of the other guys returning here in this tier. We have Travis Gibson, uh, a fifth-round pick here uh, a year ago. Uh, he appeared in seven games, only had five tackles. And we also have uh, James Vodders, who went from preseason standout and practice squad player in 2019 uh, to what I'll call a valuable rotational piece, uh, who was a key reserve last season. He had 22 total tackles and a sack and a half. Uh, Nick, I'll go to you first. Uh, what did you see last year out of Travis Gibson? Uh, anything that gives you confidence he can you know, take a leap? I believe he had like, what, five total tackles I just mentioned. So there wasn't a lot uh, sample size for Travis Gibson, but we all knew, uh, you know, we had some interviews with people that covered him in college. He's a raw talent. Uh, he was going to take some time to develop. Uh, so from year one to year two, do you have a level of confidence? You can make, I'm not going to say a leap, uh, but maybe like, you know, a step forward or a couple steps ahead. I think so, because you're going to see a little bit more opportunities for Travis Gibson. And what was unique about how sparingly he played last season, he had 35 defensive snaps on the left side and 36 on the right side. So the Bears, I think, were just trying to implement him on defense and try to give him a good feel for both ways and how to, you know, get the proper angles to, to get to the edge or just how to read, a, you know, an offense depending on the side that you're on. So they, they tried to get him a little bit of a little bit of everything there. But what I saw that it could be encouraging is that whether he was had a hand in the dirt or using that two point stance, he looked comfortable. It didn't look like a you know Robert Quinn when he's you know dropping back in coverage, uncomfortable like that. So that could be something that he could build off moving forward. And then if you add in a little bit more opportunities, there was a couple of snaps in the Houston game where he beats Laramie Tunsil one of the better left tackles in the league, and he beats him inside and has he forces Deshaun Watson outside the pocket. And that's something that's encouraging. You want to see, yeah. hey, give a guy like Gibson a little bit more opportunities. Let's see what he can do now. Yeah, that was a really good flash. I, I appreciate you re reminding me of that play. Uh, Mason, when you get to training camp, anything that you'd be looking for out of Gibson uh, that would show you that he is progressing to the rate that we need him to? It's all about comfort, I feel like, for him. When he came out of college, right, he wasn't playing in that 3-4 traditional outside linebacker necessary position. And Ryan Pace said that when he talked about him right after he was drafted. And, you know, the Bears straight up for him as well. So definitely have high expectations for him that he was going to take some time in order to really understand the position. And in training camp, it's going to be really interesting to see how he does and if he's become more comfortable in that position, right? And how much is he learning from some, some of the veterans that are around him? And can those flashes move from flash to consistency, right? Can that happen two times a drive versus once a game? And that's going to be one of the biggest things for him. When I look at James Vodders, though, uh, you know, again, a sack and a half last year, not 
eye-popping production, but in the role that he played, that wasn't too bad, and he was also pretty good against the run. Uh, again, in limited snaps. Uh, he was the 18th highest-graded edge defender uh, against the run last year with those that, who played at least 100 run defensive snaps. Nick, did Vodridge show you enough last year that would give you some confidence that he should be able to become, yet again, another valuable piece of rotation in 2021? See, value... I know. I, there I chose certain, that yeah, there, yeah, no, no, it's a it's a good word to use there because I saw some flashes like in the Carolina game where James Vodders is beating a double team and showing some nice spin moves. And then I think due to opportunities, not having many, many of them, you, you didn't see a lot of, of Vodders as much as like maybe sometimes you'd like to see over a Robert Quinn who didn't do much all season, right? But valuable. Um I would say he 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 provides some comfortability because he's been here for a couple years now, knows of what the system consists of and how it can be executed when done right. But still, he's a guy that is a, a depth piece. And, you know, I would like to see, even though Travis Gibson's only in year two, I'd like to see a Travis Gibson get more of those snaps over at James Vodders, depending on who goes out. But he's he's a nice guy to have for sure. That's how I'll put it. Mason, anything you wanted to chime in on James Fodders real quick? I was going to say kind of the exact same thing Nick said there, where if there's snap, extra snaps to be had, I'd at this point prefer them to go to Gibson over Vodders just because of some of that draft status and kind of the unknown that comes with Gibson. Vodders had some of those really cool splash plays in some of the preseasons where all of a sudden I was like, wait, who is this guy? Oh, wait, yeah. The, you know, and that happened consistently in the preseason. It just didn't translate fully when he did get opportunities. Um, you know, on the Sundays when he started, really started to play. So, you know, he's he's a good death piece, again, just exactly like Nick said. And, you know, if something were to happen, if they decide to use maybe Robert Quinn a little bit more situationally, he might be a guy that could step up. All right, let's move on to Tier 3, the rest. Uh, we have two players here to kind of round things up. Uh, we have Ladarius Mack. Uh, Lil Mack spent last season on the practice squad. And then you have Charles Snowden. Uh, he's an undrafted free agent out of Virginia, uh, where he was the team captain last season. He had eight starts last year where he racked up 10 tackles for a loss and six sacks before he broke his ankle, which ended his season. That did require some surgery. Uh, so, guys, uh, just, I think you know the drill by now. When we get to Tier 3, who do you like out of this group and why? Uh, I know who I'll be watching for at camp. I'll save mine for the end. There's only two here, so it's, there's a 50-50 chance you may guess it right. Uh, but, Mason, I'll go to you first. Who are you paying attention to? I feel like we're going to say the same guy, to be quite honest, but I'm going to go with Snowden. Yes. Uh, he's just this super raw piece of clay that has these crazy physical attributes about him. And it's just like, can you can you take that and apply it correctly? And with a, with a coach like Desai, I feel like he's creative enough to be able to do that. Because, you know, Brugler's assessment of him, if you will go back to the beast, was that he comes with position and scheme fit questions, but his fluid athleticism, long limb frame, reaction skills are an intriguing combination he projects best as a hybrid edge rusher in a three four scheme and a lot of analysts had him projected to be third fourth round pick but unfortunately there was that ankle injury and he was one of the most sought after undrafted free agents that was out there and he chose the chicago bears so it's something that i'm very excited for yeah uh, very much in line with you there uh you mentioned there's just so much potential that the Bears could you know tap into here and I don't want to throw out the Eddie Jackson comparison you know totally uh, but there's some similarities there with higher draft status ending up getting hurt 
falls way down. In Stone's case, he fell out of the draft completely. Maybe Alex Bars, maybe a you know safer comparison. Now that I say it out loud, uh, just throwing that one out there too. Um, but no, he's a freak of an athlete. I think he's like what six 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 seven two forty five, really slim. So he needs to add a little bit more, you know, weight uh, to his frame. But I'm curious to see. I know he has a basketball background, so I'm gonna see how that kind of translates to the NFL. And I know he's was ultra productive when he was in Virginia. And I love the leadership uh, that, you know, he kind of deplored while he was over there. And I think him choosing Chicago was a smart choice, Uh, you know, getting to learn not from just great coaches on this team, the history of this defense, but also, you know, the tutelage of Khalil Mack can't go unnoticed. So that's who I'll be paying attention to. Uh, Nick, are you just going to round out with the same guy? Or are you going to go with Lil Mack to be different? No, I'm not going to be different here. <laughs> I think we all we're interested in Snowden, see what he can be. But just going back and reading the, the draft profiles, like you guys said, projected round four guy, obviously didn't make it there. Maybe that undefined position, the injury, but also was compared to a guy like a Lorenzo Carter. And as you, you, I remember watching like tape, just seeing again a guy that's twitchy, that can be versatile. It's it's just intriguing that where Sean Desai can can really implement a guy like this and you know in the right coaching and just having him kind of develop here what can he potentially become I don't know about Ladarius Mack and you know obviously the name is probably why he's here but I think with a guy like Snowden you just got to wait and see and maybe maybe he could be something perhaps All right, so that's going to end our outside linebacking discussion. Of course, at the end of the show, we'll do some over, under, true and false, fill in the blank, confidence meter, all that stuff. Uh, But we're going to lump all these linebackers together. So now that we're at the midway point of the show, I want to give a shout out to everyone uh, who gave us a review on Apple Podcasts uh, over this past week. Uh, It was a week ago where I mentioned I'm going to lower the bar a bit. If we reach 650 of those by training camp, we'll give away one free Chicago Bears jersey of choice. You get to choose the color, you know, the player, the size. It's not one I have in my closet. You get to choose it. I'll buy it off the Bears store officially for you. So we got a handful of those in. Uh, So thank you for everyone for taking the time to do that. And if my calculations are correct yet again, uh, we're only 20 or so away uh, from that free jersey. So plenty of time to do it. Uh, you know, less than one per day. And I know there are 20 of you listening out there that think, well, it may not be me. Well, we've given away, you know, six or so jerseys throughout our time. And everyone says that. And when I email them, they're so shocked. Uh, So don't sleep on those odds. They're pretty good. So if you haven't yet, please review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That helps us reach more Bears fans just like you. Uh, As you know, Nick and I and Mason, as he's been joining along here, we've been doing this show, you know, ourselves. We're not backed by a media entity or anything of that nature. Uh, So those do go a long way to help giving us some additional exposure. We don't have advertising dollars to really promote the show. Uh, And if you already reviewed the show or if you just don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts or have the app, just tell a friend. Uh, I'd be equally as appreciative of that as well. I'm sure you have some more Bears fans in your little circle. And if you don't, find some better friends. No, I'm kidding. I have friends that definitely like other teams as well. Nick, uh, did we get any uh, donations over this week for any shout outs or do we have a goose egg over there? I think I know the answer though. We do have a goose egg over there, but we can turn that around for next week. Yes, we can. So we can do that if, like, so what Will was just saying, we don't have any of the sponsorships, and I'm testing out a new camera right now, but that's, again, stuff that comes out of pocket. So if you want to help support the show, you could do that by sending us a donation, anything that you feel is right, and you could do that through Venmo or PayPal. 
on Venmo. If you look up the username at the Chicago Audible, you should see my name, the Chicago Audible logo. Or if you're more familiar with PayPal, which I know a lot of people are, you can do that by going to chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And again, anything helps. Um, we'd like to implement new graphics like Will has been doing here, which look awesome. Or me trying out a camera that gives Will a hard time prior to us logging into the show. So again, it comes out of our pockets and our, our, you know, our time to kind of do these things. But Again, you could do that on Venmo at the Chicago Audible or PayPal, www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And I also want to get Mason a green screen so we can all have some fun over here. So definitely lots of different things that you can help us achieve here before the season. Uh, my goal is to really, I'm going to say, pimp out this live stream before we get to the year. Uh, so our post-game shows and game previews have a, you know, a little bit more pizzazz uh, to them than maybe in years past very excited to kind of tap in this new technology uh yet again and of course i have a baby in november so i, I better do it now or else it may just never happen uh, how you know raising kids tend to go but uh thank you again for everyone who gave the reviews uh thank you in advance for everyone who will review us as well as give us a donation over this next week but i want to get back on track and move on to the rest of the show and shift our attention to the guys in the middle so it's time for our inside linebacker preview so let's start with tier one uh let's call them the dynamic duo that are entering their fourth year together as a tandem and let's begin this tier and position by talking about The Rock, or maybe I'll call him The Roke, Roquan Smith. He is already entering his fourth season as a pro. I mean, time, it really does fly. After an inconsistent 2019 season, Roquan came to play in 2020. He finished sixth in the NFL in total tackles with 139, which also set a career high. He also set career highs in tackles for loss with 18, uh, which was the fourth most in the NFL, and he blew his previous career high of eight just completely out of the water. He also had new career highs in quarterback hit six, interceptions two, and PBUs with seven, to go along with the four-sack season, by the way. Yet somehow, the Bears linebacker, he didn't make the Pro Bowl, nor receive any All-Pro honors, which is honestly still to this day such a shame. Uh, at least the Bears and Bears fans know what they have in Roquan. Chicago, they picked up the fifth-year option back in May for Smith, keeping him under contract through 2022. Nick, is it fair to say that everything everything just kind of seemed to click for Roquan last year? It was this time a year ago that you and I envisioned a season where he'd feel comfortable in this defense, play with pure speed, play instinctually, and I felt like that's exactly what we got out of him. Is that what you saw when you look back at his tape? That, that is what I saw, but it wasn't maybe maybe the first couple of games. It, there were times where you saw Roquan Smith missing some tackles. I think the Tampa Bay game is where you saw some of the deficiencies that, you know, were very limited in what you overall saw in Roquan's game because you saw that speed. You saw that, that recognition of what offenses were doing in terms of where Roquan had to be and just beating running backs to the lane, the running lane. So you saw it all come together to what should have been you know, an all-pro pro bowl season for Roquan Smith. But, you know, like you said, wasn't uh, recognized as, as that status in terms of, you know, however they you come to that conclusion. But, yeah, Roquan Smith showed last season what he's capable of. And I think now the bar is – the bar has been set, but I think he can even exceed that given, like, look, there was no Eddie Goldman. He had a counterpart that we'll talk about that was 
pretty deficient in terms of his game. So he had to overcompensate in that area. So Roquan Smith really showed why he was, you know, worth that number eight overall pick in 2018. And, you know, even just showing up as the only defensive starter in voluntary OTAs, I think that shows and demonstrates what Roquan Smith is all about. It's in his, it's also a contract year, but it, it does say what Roquan Smith, I think, is about to do in 2021. So you say contract year. I know they picked up his fifth-year option for the following season. You think he's looking for an extension early? Because I would envision Roquan, if he has another season like he did uh, a year ago, playing on the fifth year of that rookie deal, he probably would believe he's, he's worth a little bit more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only thing, nothing's guaranteed, right? He can get injured, you know, in mm. training camp. But I, I think just how Roquan, and he talked about it in his press conference. He's not, he's not too worried about, like, the contract and things like that. He'll get taken care of because I think the Bears are, you know, they're going to look like we need our guy in the middle because his, his counterpart's on his way out, if anything. So, yeah, I would think that Roquan Smith, he's going to, you know, lay low, stay quiet about the contract, and just let his game speak for itself. Mason, what was your favorite element of the game that Roquan kind of brought to the table last season when you kind of reflect on it? The amount of field that that man can cover is ridiculous. Like the play will be going to the complete opposite side of the field. He'll still, you know, hit his gap assignment, leave that assignment when he knows it's not going there, go entirely the other direction and still be the one that makes the tackle. It's it's simply astounding. And one of the things that's really interesting if you look at his trajectory think about how all this started with the kind of the contract the holdout he had Mm -hmm. when he was a rookie and then he had some of you know the issues where he didn't play due to some of the you know maybe some of the mental emotional stuff that was going on he had some of the injuries and with all of that being said he still ranks second with 98 solo tackles last year and led all off-ball linebackers with 18 tackles for loss he you know, was tied with the two interceptions, which led the team, which, you know, obviously that's a problem also with some of the defensive (laughs) backs, but we'll get to that. Uh, And then we've seen just progression from him. So the, like the yards per completion allowed in 2018 was 9.8, 8.9 in 2019. And then in 2020, 5.8 yards per completion, just showing just a better understanding of the game where he needs to be in coverage. So when you compare him side by side to some of the other Pro Bowl linebackers, his stats are the same, if not better. It, it's it's mind blowing. It, what an interesting career so far he's had, and I'm so excited to see where he ultimately goes. You know, Roquan, he can almost do it all, right? Last year we saw him. You mentioned really good in coverage, uh, which he was one of the better coverage linebackers in the NFL. Uh, not just you know covering guys downfield, but when opposing offenses are you know trying to throw out a quick you know flip screen or something that across the sideline I mean he knows how to read react and just blow that thing up in the backfield uh, something that he wasn't diagnosing uh, you know even in 2019 you know nearly to the same degree and then he has the ability to come in there and those a gap blitzes he knows how to time those right to take down quarterbacks he has so many tricks up his sleeve you never know what kind of Roquan you're going to get in any given down and that's what makes him so dangerous but when I look at Roquan, too, he's had a couple of, I, I think they're freak injuries. But Mason, you're on, Mr. Team Rehab. Is there any concern in your eyes just looking at, you know, the last two years of him go, having to go down with injury? I know, you know, the torn pack and then last year North tier, toward the end as well, another injury that kind of took him out for both the remaining of the regular season finale as well as the wild card game. It's something that we definitely have to be a little wary of. I mean, when you look at the linebacker position, it's such a bull in the channel, 
you know, China shop kind of position that, and, and the, with the, with that pec injury too, that was something that I was heavily concerned with, you know, when you're going in for the tackle and you're trying to take down a, let's just say Derek Henry type player. And if you don't get the right form fit now, all of a sudden that pec is in a lengthened position and that's where it's more likely to tear. And so if you're going to have that happen consistently, that's a recipe for disaster for a linebacker. And then we can tie his second injury not as as directly, but it still correlates. It really does. You know, it's still upper extremity, and the hope is that he can finish this next season with some health. Yeah, for sure. Nick, anything else on Roquan that you're looking forward to 2021? Any question marks that you have for him or, you know, just what kind of season you're envisioning from him? Uh, I'm going to keep it kind of open-ended before we move on to uh, Mr. Trevathan. I'll keep it kind of vague because there's some bold predictions at the end that I definitely want to get to that, you know, include Roquan Smith. But the thing is, um, when in the beginning of the season, what kind of limited him or why there were some missed tackles? I think he was playing too fast. And, you know, Mason was talking about how much field this man could cover. I think that's where you kind of saw him get out of position, over pursuing some things. But he figured it out really quickly how to just be a little bit more patient and that's why it, it came to the you know season that he had last year. So I, I think Roquan Smith's really figured out how to play this middle linebacker position, and that, that makes the, the Bears defense one that you really have to game plan for because when you have that type of speed at that position, it really changes the game. It absolutely does. Let's go ahead and move on to his counterpart. You know, Danny Trevathan, he had himself, I'll call it an interesting season a year ago. It started off bad. Okay, it started off really, really bad uh, to the point where we thought that the veterans tank was simply out of gas and that we needed to find a replacement, you know, ASAP. And that's before we even uh, exited the very first month of the season. Uh, He wasn't nearly as strong against the run, uh, but really the bigger problem was his coverage. Uh, Just too many times Trevathan was just bullied or rather uh, exploited uh, in the passing game. But I'd say as the season wore on, Trevathan's play got better. Uh, He was still a liability in coverage, uh, but nothing like we saw in the early stages of the season. Uh, He finished the year with the most tackles, actually, though, uh, that we've ever seen out of him uh, as a Chicago Bear uh, for a single season with 98 total tackles. So there was some good. There was some bad. And early on, a lot of ugly uh, when it came to Danny Trevathan last season. But when you look forward to this year, uh, again, age 31 now, Nick, uh, what are we going to see more of? The good, the bad, or the ugly? Well, Dane Trevathan kind of ended with the ugly in terms of like the waves that he had throughout the 2020 season. Really bad, decent, and then it was that Green Bay game and and then the wild card game against the Saints where you saw, you know, flashes of the old Dane Trevathan that started the 2020 season. So, it's a really good question, Will. I can't give you a definitive answer because according to Dan Trevathan, age is just a number. So you're going to have to wait and see, like how he said in his press conference, how he's going to play. But what was concerning for me is that early on in the season and like late, like I was just talking about, it just seemed like he, in terms of processing things, it was just slow. And when they were crossing routes, it's like, oh, once the guy crosses my faces and is two yards ahead of me, three yards, whatever, then I should chase him. It's like, no danger rate then you got to be you know out in front of that guy already running so that's probably the biggest issue with me in terms of coverage is that being a veteran you'd expect that you know just what he's seeing to trust what he knows in the defense and what his responsibilities are to put him put him in better positions but that just 
wasn't the case for a majority of the 2020 season. So that's my biggest concern. And I just don't know if we're going to see even the the middle portion of the season, Danny Trevathan, that we saw come to play in the beginning of 2021. Boy, that would be a, a big hurdle and challenge for this defense if that is uh, indeed the case. Mason, I'm curious, uh, what's your biggest concern when it comes to Danny Trevathan this year? Uh, do you think he will have some sort of leash? Uh, I know last year early when he struggled, uh, we saw some playing time dip. The Bears opted to more go like dime, big nickel, um, but he did earn some time back as the year wore on. So would you be kind of malleable and flexible? I'm just curious, what would your approach to Danny Trevathan be this year? I think my approach to Danny Trevathan this year would be a bit of a shorter leash. And it's such a fall from grace, thinking back to the Danny Trevathan who had that amazing fake out rush in 2019 against the you know Washington football team where we everyone was just astounded by it. And it's just been a slow decline. You know, we just I talked earlier about Roquan's yard per completion. Danny Trevathan's gone the other direction. 9.3 in 2018, awesome. 10.0 in 2019, and then 12.5 in 2020. In 2018, he allowed a 95.1 passer rating, 118 in 2020. Yeah. So and that's with DeAndre this... Swift dropping that pass early on. <laughs> exactly. And I think we saw with some of the other moves that the Bears made, not a ton of moves at linebacker to, you know, some Bears fans chagrin, but bringing in some of the other guys we'll talk about that they have a little bit of maybe an insurance policy of, hey, if Danny, if you're not getting the job done, you know, we're going to try to see what we got in some of either the young guys or we're going to just try to plug the hole with some of the bets that we have. I think that's a perfect transition, Mason. I couldn't have done it any better myself. So we're going to enter tier two of the inside linebackers, uh, which I'm dubbing as depth pieces, question mark. Uh, We have two players in this tier to discuss here today. So first up is going to be Christian Jones, who is making his return to Chicago after spending the last three seasons in Detroit. There he played practically every linebacking position, uh, really, because the Lions, they just didn't know how to use him. Uh, And even though he didn't play, I'd say, super well in Detroit, I thought he did okay considering the inconsistency of position and the inconsistency of just the lesser talent around him. But now he comes back to a defense position and system that we saw him set a career highs in 2017, like the 90 total tackles that he had that year. So last year, We've mentioned it already. One of our major concerns was the razor-thin depth behind Roquan and Trevathan. Nick, does the return of Jones ease those concerns a bit? It does. He's a guy that, you know, we were looking for veteran depth at some point for the Bears to acquire. And Christian Jones is a good get, I would say, just because of the experience that he has already being in Chicago and, you know, even in Detroit, it's hard to stand out in Detroit in terms of on defense or just even when you go there, things you know fall apart. But I think for the most part with Christian Jones, what he can add to this linebacking room, not only is experience, but comfortability. Like when we talk about some of the other guys that are in this, this core group, I can't really say that about the other guys that are past these three that we're talking about right now. Because Christian Jones, again, has that experience and has played as a starter in this league unlike some of the other you know players that the Bears currently have. So it does provide stability, some comfortability, but also in case Danny Trevathan looks a lot like what we saw throughout the 2020 season, just really unstable in terms of what he's going to do on every on any given play, you know, you gotta see what a Christian Jones can do. 
I know he, right now it's depth, but man, if it, it does end up being that in 2021, as a defense coordinator and Sean Desai being his first year, you got to you got to know when to make that move sooner rather than later. Mason, do you see a potential path toward a move like that? You know, throwing in a, a Christian Jones and what kind of weird full circle that would be, right? Because it was like Jones and Trevathan years ago and Jones and Kukowski and now it could be Roquan and Christian Jones, which, you know, when you look at what Christian Jones, he was more playing like an off-ball linebacker, right, for Detroit in their 4-3, playing like a weak side type of backer. That's not really his best kind of fit. And I do think he's someone that can step in. Heck, we saw him step in years ago and he was serviceable. And I feel like he's probably only gotten – even though his production wasn't there in Detroit, a little smarter, a little older, a little wiser. And I think he can end up being you know, a valuable piece of this roster. Would you feel comfortable if he had to play extended time in place of, we'll say Danny Trevathan for the sake of the conversation right now? Christian Jones' middle name might as well be duct tape. You know, he's, he's going to do a solid job holding things together, but is he something you want to be sitting there long-term? No, you're eventually going to get that, that piece fixed. But in the meantime, you're going to feel relatively confident that your bumper is not going to fall off as you try to get to work that morning. And I remember Christian Jones just being that, just being solid. You know, it wasn't like it was the super splashy plays, and but I also don't remember him having a lot of missteps. You know, it wasn't like I was shaking my my head like, oh man, Christian Jones blew that assignment. He didn't fill his gap. He he does the job he should do. And like you just alluded to, the lines just do lines things. You know, I wouldn't use his time in Detroit as really an indic- indicator of what he can do. And obviously he was back, he was here in 2015, sorry, 17 with Vic Fangio. So he is used to the system. He should be able to pop in and again, just at least at a bare minimum, be solid and not let line, you know, tight ends run up seam routes and you're 20 yards away from him. I feel like Nick, if I remember our conversations is... I say as well as I think I should, you know, for four years after the fact. Our biggest gripe with Christian Jones was that coverage ability more than anything. But what he brought to the table would be, I'd say, better than what Danny Trevathan did provide us a year ago. And that's encouraging because we don't want to see Danny Trevathan 2020 coverage any anymore. DeAndre Swift, speaking of Detroit, and we know we mentioned that earlier. But, yeah, so that's why I think it's going to be interesting, Well, Like, if... I don't want to say, well, it would be bad to say when, but if and when Danny Trevathan slips up, what, what's going to be the next move? Because the Bears do like to go that extra DB, that whether it's a DeAndre Houston Carson, maybe Deion Bush gets into the mix when when there's obviously an obvious passing situation. But if you just need somebody that you feel more comfortable with, and if Christian Jones is showing you that early on in training camp or even you know through, throughout the first couple of games of the season – it's something that he had Sean Desai has to consider. He really does. But, you know, I'm hoping and I hope, you know, Bears fans are hoping as well that Dan Trevathan can play yes. up to the level that we were used to seeing prior to 2020. Absolutely agreed. Uh, I believe, I hope fans know that's, that's what we want. It's We can't sit here on this show, though, and say, yep, it's going to happen because there's nothing that showed us it could or it will happen. But we all love Danny as a player. Uh, I know we're all appreciative of everything he's been able to do in his time in Chicago. And as much as, you know, in years past, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know if you can lose Danny because of that, you know, strong leadership. As much as I still believe that's true, that he is a huge leader of this defense, things are inching closer and closer to Roquan Smith uh, becoming that guy, too. So 
sooner rather than later, Roquan needs to wear that hat solely, fully. Uh, and I think if that hasn't already really happened in the locker room, this is one of those bigger transition years uh, as well. But let's get to Josh Woods. Uh, a couple of years into the pros now, uh, after being an undrafted free agent for Chicago in 2018, uh, he's a guy, of course, who transitioned from defensive back to linebacker. Um, but he was the first one off the bench for the Bears uh, when they needed to replace either Trevathan or Roquan last year. Uh, although that was pretty rare uh, when they didn't go into like a true dime. Like if they did bring in an additional inside backer because one of them went out, that was Josh Woods, um, but still only 47 defensive snaps. Uh, the biggest moment for him came in a regular season finale when he came in the game for Roquan after he went down with that injury. Uh, and he didn't look too good, right? Uh, he didn't play well. Uh, he gave up four catches and four targets, a touchdown. Uh, it's a little bit out of place here and there. And there's a reason why they brought or elevated Manti Teow for that wild card game. So my only question for Josh Woods, and th- actually I'll say this now, I felt weird putting him in tier two. I feel like tier two really is only Christian Jones, um, but I did want to at least put one additional guy here. Uh, so for Josh Woods, uh, Mason, I'll go to you first. Uh, what did he show you in, in that limited time? The more I think about it, I think his real value may just come on special teams, uh, where he saw about 60% of this team snaps a year ago. I think the Bears, based off all the moves, and there's a couple of players that they brought in that we haven't mentioned yet who are in Tier 3, they're trying to make sure Josh Woods and maybe one more player in Tier 3 doesn't see the field on defense. Yeah, like you said, when you elevate someone like Manti Teo who – hasn't had a stellar career, right? I mean, he had a bit of a fall from grace himself, but he actually came in and played pretty well to, to his credit. But when you end up having to do that, you clearly don't have a lot of confidence in that player. Uh, Josh was, as you said, is a special teams player. He's going to get down the field, make the tackles he needs to, make the blocks he needs to. But if you we got into the position where we're asking him to start, if, you know, heaven forbid there's an injury somewhere or performance issue, the confidence meter that we're going to talk about later would drop drop substantially. So, you know, Josh Woods is a guy. That's that's accurate. Nick, anything else you wanted to kind of add in as we round off the Josh Woods discussion? I think people know my stance on on Joshua Woods, but I will say this: whenever you see Roquan Smith post on Instagram, there's always Josh Woods there. They're good buddies, so that's he provides that. I don't know that connection that that linebacker stability in terms of what the guys are looking for in terms of friendship, but uh, football player in terms of you know providing productivity, not very much. <laughs> All right, so we can easily move on now into the the third tier, which again maybe would have been more fair to put Woods there, but we have uh, three additional inside linebackers to uh, bring up real quick. We have. Austin uh, Calitro, uh, a 2017 undrafted free agent. Uh, this is already his sixth team. Uh, he did play for Denver last year. If you're looking for more Vic Fangio connections, I found one for you, uh, where he had three total tackles, and he played on about half of their special team snaps. Then you have Joel E.A. Booneyway, uh, our 2018 fourth-round pick. And on this point of his career, he's only a special teamer. Uh, 82% of those snaps a year ago, only 23 defensive snaps last year. 26 total defensive snaps in the last two seasons. Then you have, last but not least, Caleb Johnson, an undrafted free agent out of Houston Baptist who had 104 tackles, six sacks, and one interception last year. Nick, I'll go to you first. Uh, Out of this group, 
Uh, who piques your interest the most? Uh, you have three players with three totally different backgrounds all vying for the same thing, and that's a spot on the Chicago Bears roster. I'll go with Joel E.A. Buniwe only wow. because, yeah, yeah, because he has that fourth-round draft status. And in terms of what Ryan Pace has done in that fourth round, you see guys like Ajax, Tariq Cohen, uh, Riley Ridley, who doesn't really play anymore. Or Deion Bush. Really play. Deion Bush. So I think was Nick he fourth or sixth. Yeah, so Nick Wilkowski, see, it's like he has that, that draft status, but we haven't seen anything from him. The, he did tweet on June June 10th that he's a rising star. He didn't say he was a rising star. He just said rising star, and there's a <laughs> practice snaps, and it's Joel. I think that's Joel Ibunewe. I don't even know what he looks like because he doesn't play. Um, but that's it's interesting that he's still, he's still here because he really hasn't done much. He hasn't shown the coaching staff that he can f- – fill into that role when you sign going back to the Manti Teo discussion clearly you're not confident in in Josh Woods or a guy that you just drafted in the fourth round not too long ago so this is a big year for him if he wants to somehow stay on this team and show them that he could be not at at this point he's not even a depth piece really because you have guys that are being signed that are being placed in front of him so we got to see what happens with him because that's that's a big miss for Ryan Pace Iggy is the DHC of linebackers, but at least DeAndre Houston Carson last season started to etch some sort of defensive name for himself after being, you know, a special teamer throughout his career. What about you, Mason? Who intrigues you here? So Nick covered pretty well EA Buniwe. You know, he's a guy who's had some opportunities and just hasn't done much with them. You look at a guy like Austin Calitro. He played for, as you said, starting in 2017, the Jets then the 49ers, then the Seahawks, the Browns, the Seahawks again, the Jaguars, the Bengals, the Broncos, and now the Bears. Not, I can't get behind that. I just can't. Uh, So then mine falls to Caleb Johnson. He's an interesting guy. He's undersized, around 220, uh, played at Houston Baptist University, as you said, racked up 104 tackles, 11.5 tackles for loss, and six sacks. He was a safety in high school, which is very interesting to me. And he's got some pretty fast feet. He ran a 6.89.3 cone drill, which I think will certainly help in coverage. And one other small fact, he's been really into anime. Him and I had a little Twitter talk about Miyazaki movies. Pretty cool dude. So I'm kind of rooting for him. I'm curious how Desai could maybe use a guy like that who may not fit perfectly that inside linebacker mold. He's kind of that safety linebacker hybrid because of that size. Is there a way that he could use something like that? You know, not, you're not going to go true, true nickel, right? Maybe you you have that extra person down in the box, something of that nature. So if you're going to have someone of those three that comes to the forefront, I, I'd be interested to see what Caleb Johnson can do. It's hard not to get intrigued by any undrafted free agent when you have your own draft pick and Iggy that yeah, I'm not going to call him a bust. You know, he's a he's a special teamer, so he has value. Uh, and then again, Austin, who's been on a third of the NFL's teams in a matter of four seasons. It's he's so the it's Ryan really, Fitzpatrick of linebackers. I think he's moving faster than even Fitzpatrick did around the league. He gets passed around rather quickly. And apparently the Seahawks wanted him here, there and everywhere. But yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I missed Rashad Smith, our undrafted free agent last year that I thought had a ton of potential who got poached off the practice squad or was it waivers? One of the two doesn't even matter. He's not a Chicago bear anymore, but he was someone if you would have thrown him in this group, he definitely would have been the guy that I would have put above all of the rest. So 
that's unfortunate. Um, but hey, Rashad Smith, you got another shout out here on this podcast. Who knew uh, that was going to happen here in June 2021? Uh, but that's it for all the tiers of both linebacking positions, uh, which gets us to the next segment where we need to decide who the heck is even making the team here. So let's start with outside linebacker where we kind of kicked off this show. Let's start like we always do too. I have five. Everyone else on the same page with number? Yes, sir. I cut mine off at four. All right. So that means you got to go first. So then Nick and I can debate who that fifth is. So you give us your four. Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Jeremiah Tachu, and Travis Gibson. All right. So Nick, I know we have those four. There's no way we don't have those four. Who's your fifth? I Sorry, you just cut out again, Will. What did you say? <laughs> and look at this. And the green screen's messing up. I asked who your fifth player is. Did you hear all four of Mason's? I did not. So if you could just repeat them, that'd be great. Or even just wow. say your fifth, and I'll agree with you. <laughs> I don't think you, you may not want to. I have Matt Quinn, Itachu, Gibson. I'm still throwing in James Vodders with Snowden on the practice squad. Uh, I feel like he's a little raw, someone that needs to add a little bit of weight and who can probably be stashed on the practice squad uh, for a little bit without too much fear of being poached. But also, Mason, you said it. He was one of the most sought-after undrafted free agents. And if he flashes in training camp, the Bears may have their hands tied where they may have to let like a James Vodders walk in order to keep the younger talent uh, on this roster. So that's definitely somewhere that's high in my possibilities of potential outcomes here. Um, but if I'm trying to pick the best five NFL ready players, that would be it. Nick, was that your five or did you go with Snowden over Vodders? No, I, sorry. I st- you could have had Mac over either of them yeah, too. Geez, not going with Mac. I'm going with Vodders just for, again, that stability that we've seen over the last couple years that he's had here in Chicago. But Snowden is a guy that I also pegged to having on the practice squad. But I think like once it comes, what the first couple of weeks of the season, someone's going to, again, look at that, that athletic ability, that size, that basketball background, say, hey, we could do something with that. Let's give it a try here. But obviously, we'd be at the sign to a 53-man roster. But same exact five. Sorry about the connection issue. But that's who I'm going with, Vodders, as my fifth guy. Yeah, it's okay. It's Comcast's fault. I totally more than understand here on my side as well. Moving on to the inside linebacking core, I have four. Mason, how many do you have? I have five. I knew it. Nick? I have four. Well, I went first out of our tie last time, Nick. So your connection's solid, so you have no excuse. Who are your four? I have no excuse. I have Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, Josh Woods, and then also, who am I missing? Who am I missing as my fourth here? Christian Jones. Christian Jones, sorry. Yeah, so I have four. Who do you have as your fifth, Mason? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I get to say my four. Yeah, man, I don't have Josh no, Woods. I, I'm giving it to Iggy over Josh Woods because Iggy has the special teams prowess where Josh Woods is okay on special teams and below okay as a linebacker. So if I'm just looking for someone that can contribute somewhere, I'd give the nod to Iggy. So I'm assuming, Mason, you have both of those guys. I do have both of those guys. <laughs> I, I was looking at it from the perspective of special teams. You know, last week I talked about how I I had one less tight end than you guys and because I didn't see Horstead as having enough help with versatility in the special teams. This is, I think, where they might make up for it and getting just that one extra guy that can actually 
help a lot more in that third phase. Right on. I like that a lot. Uh, I like that you had, you know, different numbers. Uh, that way we didn't all have the same numbers of players going each way. And Nick and I had different inside backers. So look at us on different trains of thought. But let's jump in. And I'm excited because now it's time to play a little bit of over, under. And I want to do my graphic one last time because that was sad. And there it goes. I have the wrong order of overlays. It's all about the order of the layers. But getting back to business here, to the over-under, I have a, a decent handful here. Uh, Mason, go to you first. Over-under 11 sacks for Khalil Mack this season. Under. Until he can prove to me that he can do it, I just haven't seen it from him since early 2018. All right. Nick, how about you? I'll go over. He had 12 in 2018. That's where I think he'll he'll uh, end up in 2021. I took the under. Uh, I have a number here at 10. Uh, again, we have the extra game. Uh, I know I have to tell you every week, Nick. So we have that extra game uh, to kind of throw in there uh, as well. Uh, so we'll move on to the next over-under, which is four and a half sacks for Robert Quinn, which is a weirdly low yet scarily high bar to set for someone making uh, a boatload of money. Nick? I, that would be over double than what he had last season, which is crazy to say. So I'll go over for Robert Quinn. I know we were talking about how many opportunities it, opportunities is he going to get this season, but I think you put him in the right situation. He's capable of it still. All right. Mason? Under. Put him at two. You know, there's just there's he's showing me nothing. There's and then he came into camp and he's already hurt. So what, what if he can't play this entire training camp for some reason? What if he's held out a lot and now he's walking into game one? He's not even in shape. Like, I have a bold prediction that is going to be a tie to this. Under. Love it. Under. Uh, one more for the edge guys here for over under. Six sacks combined for Travis Gibson and Jeremiah Atachu. Mason, you're first. Over. Well, give me a breakdown. I don't want to go do too much. Um, so, because again, it's tied to my full prediction, but oh my gosh. I feel that Atachu specifically fits really well, I think, with the versatility that is needed to be opposite of Quail Mac. Okay. Uh, I trust you that you're going to blow me out of the water here for oh, this geez, bold prediction, and it'll be worth my, my <laughs> while and my weight. Nick, how about you? You're going to take the over or the under? I'll go under at five and a half. Okay. Works for me. Uh, moving forward here, let's move into the inside guys. Over under 150 total tackles for Roquan Smith. I set the bar sky high, but with the extra game, maybe it's possible. I, I think it's within the realm of possibility, or else I wouldn't have set it there. Nick? I'll go over. I mean, 139 in 2020, and like I was saying earlier with Eddie Goldman not being there, Dan Trevathan up and down, he still is capable of that. Roquan can get over that. I won't say anymore because bold predictions. Again, bold prediction. Bold predictions. You guys, that's a, such a cop out. I'm gonna make a bylaw that says <laughs> you can't do that. But Mason, how about you? I'm gonna say over as well. He's just shown progress each year he's been in the league, and there's no reason to think that's gonna stop now as he keeps maturing. As again, hopefully the pieces around him are more consistent. You know, he's. At some point, there's got to be some stat that makes everyone else in the league realize that he's a gosh darn pro bowl linebacker. Over. Over. Uh, I'll take the over as well. I'm at like 155. 
I'll throw a number out there. I'm big enough to do it. Ha. So moving on over under 20 tackles for a loss for Roquan and Danny Trevathan combined. I thought this may be a little too low uh, when I wrote it and I'm reading it right now. So I'll move it up. Actually, we'll make it 20, 24 tackles for a loss uh, between the two Mason over under. Over, uh, I believe again, last year, Roquan had 18 tackles yes. for loss. And so Trevathan can pretty much trip the other, you know, six or seven <laughs> needed to get the over. So I'm going to go with that. All right, fair. Nick? I'll go over as well. I think you'll also see just more in, you know, double A-gap blitzes, whether that is going to get the quarterback or the running back that's in the backfield there. So I think it will be over as well. All right. I'm taking, I'm going to take the under though, just to be a little different. I'm going to say they get... Uh, I said bar 22, so 21. Uh, and that's really more Roquan, and Danny's just not playing up the snuff. So it would be nothing on Mr. Smith. All right, so I am for some true or falses. First one I have, Jeremiah Tachu will finish the season with more sacks than Robert Quinn. Nick, true or false? I'm going false there. I, I think I'm a little higher on, on Robert Quinn than maybe I should be. I'm going to go false for that one. All right, Mason. True. As of right now, Robert Quinn is bad. We're going to say dead to you, uh, but maybe that's close. Cl- he's close to it. He's really close to it. Uh, I'm taking true on that one as well. Uh, I think listeners know how high I am on Atachu. So that one to me, uh, I feel like there's a good chance he can supplant Robert Quinn this season. Uh, end up being a you know someone that can be, I'm not going to say a long, long-term answer at the position, but someone that can be very serviceable outside linebacker for Chicago for years to come. Uh, moving on, true or false, Danny Trevathan plays a full season, uh, which, by the way, would be the first time in Chicago with back-to-back full seasons for Danny Trevathan. True or false, Nick? Going false. And you added in that extra game, Will? I don't know if you knew they had an extra game. But I didn't, no actually. Way it, no way it happens for Danny Trevathan at, what, 31, 32, however old he is now. So, false. So they're doing four preseason games and an extra game in the regular season? No, they got rid of a preseason game. Wow. News. <laughs> News flash to me. Thank you uh, very much. Mason, true or false on Trevathan playing a full season for the first time in his career, back-to-back full seasons for Chicago? False. Uh, it's going to be, if it's not an injury, it's I think it's going to be at some point a replacement where he's just he's just not playing anymore. If one of the younger guys or the stalwart duct tape Christian Jones ends up coming in. All right. I'm taking false as well. I think history is the biggest indicator of what's to come. And if it hasn't happened yet, it probably isn't going to happen uh, at this rate. True or false, Roquan Smith gets the recognition this time around. Not just Pro Bowl and All-Pro, but he also contends for Defensive Player of the Year. Mason. I was going to say true until you threw in the Defensive Player <laughs> of the Year. I, th- <laughs> I think that's... It's harder in general, I feel like, for a lot of linebackers to get that kind of a recognition when you don't have the sack numbers. So, unfortunately, just because of position, I'm going to have to say false. All right. Nick, are you in the same train of thought? Yeah, you had me at the first two, and then the MVP put me in the false category, so I'll go there. Not MVP, DPOY. Sorry, defense, but still, regardless, it's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. He's going to show you. I'm going to say true. He'll be in contention. He'll be in the discussion. He doesn't have to win the thing. People will be mentioning his name when they talk about the award. True. Well, yeah, in every bar in Chicago, it's going to be talked about. True. True. Very true. All right. Fill in the blank time. (laughs) 
when the 2021 season is over and we look back at Robert Quinn's season, we will describe it as blank. Nick. Better than expected. All right. That means nothing yet everything to me. Mason? It'll be described as he was on the roster? Question mark? I like it. it, it, The stats will be that low. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, One more fill in the blank for you guys. Uh, Blank will lead the linebackers in total turnovers created. I'm both inside or outside guys. So you're looking at forced fumbles, interceptions, you know, turnovers created. Who is that player? Mason. I'm going to say Roquan Smith. Like we said last year, he had the two interceptions. Uh, One of my favorite memories of the 2018 season, even though it was a duck of a pass, was uh, in that Rams game where he had that pick and and almost brought it back. So, yeah, Roquan, he has a bit of a nose for the ball. Sure does. Nick, how about you? I'll go Cleo Mack. He's he's due to be back to that force. So I'll go with him. Right on. So I'm excited because you guys have been teasing me uh, this entire episode. It's time for our bold predictions. So I'll go ahead and begin uh, with an outlandish bold prediction. Robert Quinn does the impossible, and he finishes with 10 sacks this season. I have both of your eyes just kind of fell out of your heads, and that's what I was going for. It's a bold (laughs) prediction for a reason. Uh, So this is when you find, like, that extra bold font. Uh, this is it. Uh, Mason, since you were tantalizing me with your bold prediction off and on throughout the show, what is it? That by season's end, you will say that the starting outside linebackers will be Khalil Mack and Jeremiah Tachu, and Atachu will finish with nine sacks. Um, I, I like that one a lot. Probably more likely than my bold prediction, um, but as an Atachu fan, uh, I do like where your head's at. Nick, what is going to be your bold prediction for the linebackers? I'm going to take it a step down for Robert Quinn. He quadruples his sack total, so he'll get eight by the end of the season, and that's why it was better than expected. But I thought that was bold. You took it a step ahead of me there, Will. What would be would it be fivefold? Is that what you just would say it? Like, I don't know what the next one would be. If you quadruple, what's the fifth version of that? Quint, quint, quintuple. Quintuple? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's why I didn't go that way. It's you not go quintuple? that high because I'm like... <laughs> I think Goople sounds cooler than Uple, but that's just me. I like Goople. Quintuple did. Uh, that would be my bold prediction. I have one more for you guys, uh, if you're in for it. Danny Gervathan has a three-interception season. I just wanted to blow you guys out of the water today. That's another fun one. <laughs> I did have one for the inside linebackers, too, so I might as well say it right now. I have Roquan Smith lean the league in tackles. Last year, 164, so he gets 165 in 2021 and is recognized, like you were mentioning earlier, Will, not not defense player of the year, but in that discussion of just being one of the best inside linebackers in the game. So last year's high was 164, you said? Zach Cunningham from Houston, 164. In 16 games. In 16. Yeah, I had an inside in linebacker Houston. one as well. Well, that, that defense uh, on Caleb... the field a lot. True. <laughs> Caleb Johnson will finish the year with one interception. Right on. Everyone's like, what? Why? There we go. All right. All right. Let's move forward to our last thing we got to do here. Confidence meter. Uh, both positions combined. What level is your confidence? I'll go ahead and begin because I feel like I never begin these. So my confidence, I'm at about a 
too. Uh, last year, if I look at where I'm at this year compared to last year, I'm a little bit more confident in the depth of inside linebacker, although I'm less confident in Danny Trevathan's ability than I was in, say, June, July of 2020. Um, but overall, Roquan's ascension and what we're expecting to be yet another step forward really gets me excited. And then when you're looking at edge rusher, we hope we can get more to Khalil Mack, whether it be Sean Desai, a little return of Eddie Goldman, uh, whether it be Jeremiah Tachu being perhaps the best third outside linebacker on the team that we've had in a long time. I, I think he's better than Mingo. He's way better than Isaiah Irving. Uh, I just keep going back and back. I feel like he's maybe the best rotational, that first guy off the bench player in this position that we've had in quite some time. So I feel really good about that position outside of Robert Quinn. Uh, some question marks there still in Travis Gibson, but I like the potential of Charles Snowden as well. So there's a lot of potential there. And then maybe Robert Quinn. I don't think it can nearly be as bad, I would hope. So I'm still sitting at about 9.2 just with the starting caliber. And I said all that and never even mentioned, I th- think I said Mack in passing, but of course he's out there as well. When you have two all-pro guys and Mack and Roquan Smith, it's hard to not have your confidence pretty high up here, uh, even with some question marks uh, still surrounding the both units. Um, but Nick, how about you? What's going to be your confidence meter for both linebacking positions? I'll give it an 8.7. You mentioned you have two guys in Mac and Roquan Smith that are the best at their position, some of the best in the league. And then just their counterparts is where the question marks are at in the starting, you know, at the starters there. So that's a little concerning, but there is some quality depth, I think, at both inside with Christian Jones at the inside linebacker position and then outside with the Tachu and even you want to throw in James Vodders there. So 8.7 in terms of the linebacking core is where I'm at in my confidence meter. All right, Mason. It's funny. I had an 8.8. Uh, I think when you have people who are as solid as Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith, you have to right raise the floor there. Even if Khalil Mack has been a little disappointing for Khalil Mackness, that does, he's still unbelievably great at football. And then, you know, I still, like I said, I think initially we're going to be banging our heads on the table a little bit, but Robert Quinn is going to be supplanted as the actual starter starter, maybe just fired off when needed in those third downs, long passing situations. And I'm more confident in having Christian Jones back there in order to fill the gap if Danny's can't really do it. And I'm really excited about how maybe a Charles Snowden can come in and help, how a Travis Gibson can step up, how even like a Caleb Johnson, I really like the idea of him potentially in a little bit of a hybrid role if you know we ultimately decide that Danny is not, not pulling enough weight. So you have enough pieces there to piecemeal it together with having those two just really solid cornerstones. All right, solid stuff there. Guys, really good work. I know this one was an extended episode just due to the fact that we kind of broke down two positions in one. Uh, Mason, I'll go to you first. Any final thoughts before we end up the show? This group is really all about health more than any of the other groups that we're going to talk about. You know, we were talking about how Robert Quinn's coming into camp already hurt. Can Khalil Mack nip it in the bud in terms of whatever's been bothering him for the last couple of years? Can both Roquan and Danny stay healthy for the entirety of the seasons? If they can do that and everyone play together that way, it's going to be a much better season than it has been the last two years. I like hearing that. Nick, how about you? Anything that you wanted to kind of chime in on to wrap things up? Yeah, just to wrap things up here about these two groups, it's going to be about splash plays that these guys can create, really looking at Roquan Smith and Cleo Mack, because if those two guys alone are just playing at an all-pro level, 
man, this defense is a formidable unit. It really is. And we saw glimpses of that last season, but we need more consistency. Consistency? You know, they say it's key, Nick. They do say that. It is a saying that has been said probably too many times. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of Chicago Audible. Uh, before we sign off, one quick reminder uh, to give our show a rating on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, uh, once we reach 650, which we're about 22 away, uh, we will give one lucky reviewer a free Chicago Bears jersey of their choice right from the Chicago Bears store. Uh, Nick and I, and I'll throw Mason in as well. We love giving our listeners you know, something in return, showing our appreciation for the time that you dedicate and you share out of your busy lives uh, with us. Uh, we really do appreciate that and want to kind of return the favor by giving away a free jersey. All you need to do is help us reach that 650 Apple Podcast Review milestone, which helps us reach more Bears fans just like you. So next week, we're going to go back to the Bears offense, and now it's time for, geez, you know, we talked about 14 linebackers between two positions. Next week, we're looking at wide receiver. I haven't done the math yet. I feel like it's going to be neck and neck about you know, the amount of players that we need to talk about in that episode. But, you know, next week we'll look at, you know, and uh, Anthony Miller, you know, is this his last year in Chicago? Is he going to make the team? What's going on there? Uh, what should we expect out of Darnell Mooney in year two? How can he progress? Uh, you know, of course, you have Allen Robinson playing with more capable quarterback play. How's that going to elevate his game? And then we have other guys that they brought in as well, like, you know, a Marquise Goodwin. Uh, how does that change the entire dynamic of this positional group? Uh, we'll discuss all of that on our next episode. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.